Welcome back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? And welcome to 2023. (gasps) (laughs) 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 My name's Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. And each week, we cover a new topic, and we try a new beverage. And we try a new beverage for this whole year. I'm very excited for us. I know. And this week, the first week of the year, we are talking Sober Curious, how to explore a life without substances with speaker Olivia Wickstrom. Mm -hmm. And I'm really excited to have her on because we're going to be talking to her about what does it mean to be sober curious, or even if you're just doing dry January right now, her sobriety story and how she leads a sober life and how to handle the social fears surrounding a sober life. I'm going to be very curious. I'm very curious. Well, I'm sober curious. (laughs) Curious. And I also think that I'm going to do dry January. I mean, Joe's sober, so, yeah. like, he doesn't drink, and I'm like, I barely drink at all. So, I, I'm, Go I'm going to explore it. it. Yeah. I'm going to talk to Olivia about it. We're going we're gonna to hear what she has to say. And I think it's also just, like, you know, it's, like, a trendy buzzword kind of thing, so yeah. I'm curious. Yeah. Also, you guys know that you can always write in for an episode request or an episode suggestion at amidoingthisrightpod at gmail.com. And we are bringing back solicited advice. So if you have something going on in your personal or professional life, you can email us, DM us at amidoingthisrightpod. We'd love to help you. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, you guys stay tuned because we are playing Overrated, underrated. Do I have one? I'm sure I have one in my phone. I'm sure I do too. Um, I write them down when I think of them. But but I just, I love the energy of a new year. Me too. Doesn't it feel like, I, it's so weird because it's like, it's just a day. But it really, it means so much. It just, there's something, I mean, you know my favorite holiday. New Year's is your favorite holiday. I love New Year's because everyone is so happy and hopeful, and optimistic, and looking forward to what lies ahead. Which is hard in, in this economy. Yeah. <laughs> in this economy? Literally. But listen, 2023, I'm excited I had a terrible to see what 2022. I'm just going to be real. Okay. It was terrible. You had a rough one. I'm not going to so like, sugarcoat I'm that. I'm really looking forward to 2023. <laughs> I will say the concerning thing that I was reflecting upon the other day was that. I'm not even kidding you when I say this. I don't remember a single thing that I did in 2022, except for when we went to Austin. I barely remember that. That is the only memory of 2022 that I have. I don't, what what was I doing in March? I have no idea. Yeah. It was weird. I don't know. I loved 2021. Loved it. 2022 was like, like, just, it was just not, it wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. It was, it felt like it was against me. Yeah. I (laughs) felt like I was just floating. Right. And now I don't even remember it. Right. So. And we are now entering into your Saturn return, Natalie. (gasps) Aren't we? January? as of January 1st. Here we are. Here we are. Until February Second. 
you'll be fine. You're going to be fine. Just so you know, mine is six months long. So, But remember when she was like, it's almost worse because it's crammed into one month? I don't know, Natalie. If you're listening to this, just pray for me. <laughs> to whatever God, whatever God you pray to, just go ahead and be like, hey, my favorite podcast hosts. They're going through their Saturn return this year, and they're going to need some help. It might be some, it might be rough. Might be some rocky territory. All right, so let's get into our drink for the episode, which you guys know we used to drink wine. We, at the end of the year, started transitioning out of drinking wine every episode, and I mean, it was very fitting for this one to obviously not drink wine, right. but also, we're going to drinking uh, Bella Hadid's beverage called Kinuphorics. I see a lot of ads for this. I do too. It's a non-alcoholic like aperitif kind of vibe, like little like right, little, like little vibe, like a cocktail, like a mocktail. It's a mocktail sort of. of sorts. It's gently caffeinated. It has five okay. HTP, GABA, caffeine, um, some like you know those like herbal mushroom things in it. Right. So this is supposed to be like you're supposed to drink this before you go out. It's a vibe. It's supposed to give you a little vibe. All right. Here we go. Here's to Bella Hadid. And Here this one's go. called Kin Spritz, Energizing Flow. Oh, okay. Well, okay. <laughs> it has white grape juice, orange peel extract, licorice root extract, orange ex- it's, it's very orange. We're going to rate we this. We are going to rate this at the end. end of the episode, you guys. Natalie's face. I'm having an experience. It's an experience. Okay, so let's get into Sober Curious. Sober Curious. And bringing on Olivia, who I'm very excited to talk to about sobriety. Yes. Well, New Year. Everybody's got New Year's resolutions. And after a few months of drinking and socializing, a lot of people are experimenting with the whole dry January thing because you're just like, I'm sick of this shit. Yeah. I'm sick of it. It's really New Year's is kind of like we just our final blast off and then you like come to terms in January. And you're like, fuck. You're like, I'm tired of this. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, we're excited to talk to our guest, Olivia. She's a sober living speaker and an entrepreneur, about how we can explore sobriety and maybe even partake in dry January ourselves if we choose. Yeah, so let's introduce Olivia. So Olivia is a California-based creative entrepreneur and the founder of Creating 805, a community of small business owners on California's central coast. And she's continuously exploring projects that explore her passion for community building and storytelling. When she's not bringing small business owners together through creating 805 events, you'll find her practicing yoga, grabbing coffee with friends, or musing on topics of sobriety and mental health. So let's welcome on Olivia. Hello, Olivia. Olivia. Hi, how are you guys? We're great. great. You have such a great smile. It's like infectious. (laughs) You're so sweet. I mean, the audience members, the listeners can't hear, but maybe they can hear me smiling. I think you can. I think you can. I think you can. I think Joy Radiate. You're from San Luis Obispo. And I think, wasn't that rated like the happiest city in the world? Oh, it was? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So the smile makes It literally was (laughs) Oprah, who now lives on the Central Coast. She has a home in Montecito, which is a part of the 805 where I live. She named it the happiest place in America, and she now lives here. So 
what what Oprah cool. says we all should just, do. Yeah. You I'm know, just like checks out. I, yeah. That no. totally makes sense. Well, we're so excited to have you. And we were talking at the top of the episode that this sober curious is, is becoming very like trending right now. And I think a lot of people are considering sobriety. And so we wanted to just talk to you about your sobriety journey and how you got to the place that you are now, because you speak openly about your sobriety. Yes, absolutely. You're right. It is becoming a thing. You know, I think on social media, especially with this whole health and wellness kind of takeover that we're seeing and this focus on personal growth and development, um, sobriety, the sober curious movement is definitely becoming a thing. Also with the whole non-alcoholic drink culture that's happening right now. I know like Katy Perry just came out with a non-alcoholic drink line. Yeah, we're yeah. drinking uh, Bella Hadid's uh, Kin Euphorics this episode because we wanted I to give it, it a, a, a try. But yeah, there's a lot of celebrities that are Hopping in this on. business. <laughs> Exactly. It's a thing. So, you know, personally, I, I mean, I made the choice to get sober, but it was definitely a necessity for me. You know, my story, alcoholism is a part of my family. I mean, it's part of a lot of families, but it's on both sides of my family. And I didn't really think much about it, honestly. I didn't really think that it would affect me. Growing up, I do remember my grandma always saying to me to be careful with my drinking, to not get too comfortable with it, to consider the past, to consider family history. But I didn't really listen to her because I didn't see a problem with my drinking. I was a party girl, you know, and I didn't really see anything wrong with that because the people that I surrounded myself with were partying and having fun just as much, if not more than I did. When I went to college, I was a bartender and I was in the service industry, which, you know, is pretty rowdy. And I guess I just didn't really see that it was an issue because I guess the culture I was in, the subculture of bartenders and going out and going to shows and going to bars, it's just, you know, it's what we did. And I mean, I think we can all recognize that millennial culture our culture does revolve a lot around alcohol what do we do when we go on a date yes. we get drinks what do we do when we go out with friends we go to the bar you know so I didn't really think it was an issue because it's just what everyone was doing but I felt like as I kept growing up people around me started to kind of get their lives together and get into relationships and get careers and they started to move forward on their path, but I kind of seemed to be stuck in this, I guess, post-college party world. Mm -hmm. And when it really, when it really took a turn for the worse is when the pandemic hit. And for the first time, I didn't have a job and I had all the time in the world. And this is when I started to experience pretty severe benders. I became physically dependent on alcohol, and that's when I was really afraid. I'd never experienced anything like that before, and I still didn't really understand what I was dealing with. I was really ashamed. That is why I'm so open about it now, because I was so afraid, and I had no idea what was happening to me. And, you know, it took about a year from that point for me to get sober, a year of really struggling People didn't know I was suffering. My family didn't know I was really struggling. I kept it very hidden. But for about a year, I actually ended up moving back home to California. I was living in the Midwest at the time. And with the intention of being close to family, kind of doing some healing, getting sober. But it took about a year. And I finally made my way into a recovery program in June of 2021. 
And serendipitously, kind of at this time when, as you've said, sobriety, sober curiosity is kind of up and coming. So it's been, I think, a really good time to get sober and that there's a lot of resources out there and a lot of pop culture out there and books and podcasts and non-alcoholic drinks. So yeah, it's been a unique journey, but you know, every person's sober journey is very unique and personal to them. So yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations, first of all. Thank you for sharing and being so open about your journey because I think it's so helpful for people. I think a lot of the times when you think about sobriety, there's this image of what has to happen for you to get there. And I think there's a lot of stigma about it. And and I think just sharing how it happened for you, how, you know, it kind of just built up over time, because I do think that happens to people, you know. Also, I think what's really interesting is your family history. I think you're incredibly lucky to have known about it. But there's so many people whose families don't have those conversations. Yeah. Don't, you know, say, hey, this is something that runs in the family. Like, keep an eye out. I have it in my family as well. And so it's something I've always been very mindful of as well because I'm like, okay, you know, this, I might enjoy this more than than the average person, you know? Well, and it's also such a good thing to bring up that college culture yeah, is very that was much another thing. Yeah. about drinking and experimenting. And sometimes maybe you don't know, like, is this normal? Am I overdoing it? Because in college, we were all, we were overdoing I, I, yeah, it. I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> for know? sure. But now that you're kind of on your feet and this is a new lifestyle for you and just maybe a new life in general, what differences have you noticed? Oh my gosh. There are too many to name. I mean, but I think the biggest thing is probably just the fact that I actually do the things I say I'm going to do now. I mean, sobriety, it's been very challenging. I feel like I'm finally in a pretty solid, stable place. You know, I'm over a year in, I feel like I have physical sobriety down. That first year was very much about just learning how to be a sober person in a world that revolves a lot of around alcohol, you know, like it was a lot of me doing the things for the first time, like celebrating my first birthday sober, going on my first date sober, having my first Christmas sober. So it was a lot of firsts. But, you know, at this point, I feel like I kind of have physical sobriety down. I'm comfortable in it. I know what it means to function as a sober person in this world. That being said, it's hard work and it takes a lot of dedication and showing up and doing it even on the days you don't want to. There have been times where I've been like, this would be so much easier. You know, like dating, for example, like this would be so much easier if I was just like a normie, what we call normies are people that drink normally. And, you know, there have been times when I've wanted to give up, when I wanted to go back and when I wanted to turn the clock and just, I don't know, go back to when things were simpler or or easier. But this is a decision I've made. This is a new life I've chosen and I have to keep showing up and doing it. So I think that one of the biggest ways that it's impacted my entire life is that it's given me this, I think, grit and drive and motivation to when I say I'm going to do something, I do it, you know, and I follow through on my commitments and I show up and, you know, I show up as myself. I show up unapologetically, but I think before sobriety, I was so kind of like wishy-washy and I wanted things, but I wasn't willing to put in the work. And when it got hard, I gave up. But sobriety has definitely given me this grit and determination and sense of perseverance that has showed up in all areas of my life. So it's it's been a, a pretty big gift. 
Wow, that's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm curious if people are listening right now and they are maybe considering starting uh, their sobriety journey. What are some tips you can give them that you wish you had at the beginning of your journey, maybe when you were considering whether or not to start or maybe right after you just had started? Um, what are some things that you wish you had known? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, and I'm happy that I figured this out pretty quickly, I think one of the biggest things is community. When it comes to sobriety, I think it's really all about having a group of people that you can show up for and they can show up for you when it's needed. I think that sobriety, along with a lot of things in life, it's easy to say, you know, I'm going to work out every day this week or I'm not going to drink tonight or I'm not going to text him, you know, even though I really want to. But having a group of people that can actually help you accomplish those things and keep you accountable is huge. And as we've said many times now, it's cool that sobriety is kind of a thing, you know, and there are so many opportunities and places to find that community at this point, whether it be social media, there are a ton of online communities. I know that Tempest is run by the woman that wrote How to Quit Like a Woman, Holly Whitaker. You know, there's all these different online communities for sober, curious people. Then there's 12-step programs for people that want to explore that. But I think that the number one thing would be upfront, just finding a community that works for you, where you can meet like-minded people and find some accountability and just find, like I said, people that can show up for you when it's needed and who you can help and support. Yeah. I think that that community is a really important piece. Yeah. So I'm just curious if somebody's listening to this, I think substance abuse, alcoholism, all of this, it can be very under the radar, right? What are some maybe not so obvious warning signs do you yeah. think are there? Yeah, you're very right. I think that the word alcoholic, alcoholism has, as we said earlier, a really negative connotation. And, you know, I openly identify at this point as a recovering alcoholic. I'm very proud of that because I love what it's given me. I love what my recovery has given me, the tools and the strength. But there's still a lot of negativity around that term. I think a lot of us consider the alcoholic, you know, like the person under the bridge with the brown paper bag. And that's not it at all. You know, you walk into rooms of recovery around the world and you see people that have incredible careers and successful families and college degrees and, you know, substance abuse, drug addiction, alcohol abuse. It's it does not discriminate. It can affect anyone. And I think that kind of first warning signs would really just be, are you depending on alcohol to I move through and cope with everyday things? You know, mm. when that stressful thing pops up at work, is your first reaction when you get home to open the fridge and reach for a beer? I think that the biggest thing that I've realized in getting sober and still having friends and family and people in my life that drink is how often we do reach for a beer or a glass of wine to unwind and, and cope and de-stress and deal with anxiety before dates. And it just shocks me that we really as a culture have kind of started to just lean against alcohol for moving through and dealing with uncomfortable situations. I think if you find yourself repeatedly and increasingly relying on alcohol to deal with discomfort, deal with stress, deal with anxiety. 
you know, it's a a slippery slope and not that you are an alcoholic right off the bat, but I think just questioning that relationship and maybe reevaluating it before it maybe does turn into something more serious could be positive. And that could be cutting alcohol during the week or only drinking when you go out with friends or whatever you need to do to kind of maybe reevaluate and explore what your relationship with alcohol looks like currently, why it looks that way, why are you drinking when you drink? I think just asking why and really trying to get to the the root cause of of why we're doing what we're doing and are we trying to avoid. Yeah, Mm. I think asking the why is a really great a great tool in in kind of figuring out what your relationship with alcohol is. I want to go back to, we're talking a lot about culture, and we mentioned that Sober Curious is this kind of movement that's happening right now. And for our listeners who may not know, what would you define Sober Curious as? And what would you say to someone who maybe isn't suffering from addiction, but wants to try a more sober lifestyle? Yeah, I would say sober curiosity is someone that's just interested in exploring life without alcohol. As we've said, this culture relies so heavily around alcohol. What do we do when we go on a date? We go out for drinks. What do we do at Christmas? We open a bottle of wine. So I think sober curious and the sober curious movement is just questioning why we're drinking in these situations. Again, it goes back to the why and the how. And I think it's just questioning our our actions and our intentions behind them. And maybe, you know, instead of having a glass of wine at the family dinner, it's having a soap water or a mocktail. And instead of going out to a bar for the first date, it's going on a hike. So I think that sober curiosity is just reevaluating our relationship with alcohol and kind of going against this norm that's been set of this is this is what we do, this is how we celebrate, this is how we go out. I think for people that are curious and maybe starting a sober journey and, and playing around with it, get on social media. If I mean, I share a lot of your listeners are on social <laughs> media, but literally just Google or go in the search bar and do like sober curious or sober or look up one of the alcohol-free drinks and like check out who they're following. There is this whole movement right now of sober curious influencers and sober influencers. And there's just people sharing incredible knowledge and resources on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, all of the channels. And so I highly recommend just kind of exploring social media. And then as I said, there's all these communities out there online. Tempest is the first one that comes to mind. Holly Whitaker, her book, Quit Like a Woman. There's all this literature, there's podcasts. There's just so much to explore right now. If you are sober curious, there's a huge community that's out there waiting for you. Yeah. I feel like I identify as sober curious. My boyfriend is sober and I was not a big drinker ever. And so once he got sober, it was like, okay, well, we don't really drink wine even at dinner anymore. And so I... I'm exploring longer periods of time without drinking. It'll be like two weeks. Oh, I haven't, you know, had a glass of wine. And one I found, even though I don't suffer from addiction, I don't feel good no matter what after I drink, you know, even one or two glasses of wine the next day I feel it. And I'm like, I've had all these experiences where we go out to dinner, we go to a concert, we go to something that I probably would have had wine or something at. And I don't. And I wake up the next day and I'm like, wow, 
I can really tell. I mean, that's just like becoming almost 30 and like my body just can't metabolize the same way. But it's so nice to not feel that like sluggishness in my everyday life. And so that's just for me as someone who is self-proclaimed super curious. Yeah. Well, so kind of going off of that, like you're saying, there's so many social events that alcohol is involved. Yeah, yeah. What are some of those fears surrounding it? And how have you kind of dealt with that? And dating too. I think you mentioned dating. It was really interesting in early sobriety because I had to rediscover like who I was and what I liked. I remember very early on in my sobriety, I went down to LA and my mom and I went to a concert at the Hollywood Bowl. It was an Alanis Morissette concert. There was like 17,000 people there. And I freaked out. I was like, I hate this. Like, this is so intense. There are so many people here. I don't want to be here. I don't like this. There's drunk people everywhere. There's someone like puking on my seat. You know, I was just like, I was, I was over it. And that was a really big like light bulb moment for me. And that I realized I don't have to like, and I don't have to do the things that I used to like and do when I was drinking. My hobbies, my priorities, the way I spend my time has completely shifted since I got sober. I realized I'm a huge introvert, you know, like I was always out with people partying, the life of the party, the middle of the crowd, but really I reset and I recharge by being alone. Um, I've gotten into health and wellness, which is probably no surprise from, you know, being in sobriety. I've really started to understand and take care of my body. I've gotten into nutrition and cooking and yoga and running. So just the way I spend my time looks a lot different now. Dating has been a whole other experience, (laughs) you know, it's, it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I got sober and I was like, okay, like this is great. You know, I'm just going to like go out there and I'm sober now and I'm, I'm healed. I'm going to go find a person. And that hasn't been the case. I mean, I've had to do a lot of personal work on myself um, and I'm still doing that, but dating has been challenging in that I've realized I need to most likely end up with someone that either doesn't drink or alcohol is not a big part of their life. And, you know, I was on the apps. I was like, I dated someone for a few months um, who drank and, and it was great. But like at the end of the day, uh, it was hard. And, and he didn't necessarily want to be with someone sober. Like he valued like having a glass of wine at dinner, like going to breweries. And that was a big part of his identity. So like it didn't work. It's been a challenge in that, again, a lot of the culture revolves around drinking. A lot of people hear the term recovering alcoholic and it freaks them out. I'm at the point now where I've really kind of stepped away from trying to date. I love my therapist. I love all the, I love doing the work in general, you know, like that term, quote unquote, doing the work. Oh, we love to do the work. Yeah. It's a journal prompt. (laughs) Obsessed, obsessed. And a big part of that was around my, when I hit my one year, I started seeing a therapist weekly and really diving into some of the stuff that came up in that first year of sobriety. And she and I have decided like, it's time to stop trying and it's time to just keep working on myself and keep reflecting, keep healing, keep being me for me and trust that whenever it's meant to be, someone will show up that checks the boxes. But right now, you know, I'd rather spend this time working on myself and being with myself and having fun than trying to keep dating people 
trying to keep forcing it. You know, it feels like I'm trying to force something that's like not supposed to be working. And so, yeah, it's been challenging. It's, but it's been interesting. It's been a learning experience. It's helped me understand what I want and what I don't want and what works for me and what doesn't. And yeah, it's been fun. (laughs) What about having the conversation? Like, do you first date? Are you walking through that with them or how did you approach that? Great question. And that's something that every sober person that I've talked to is very, very, uh, everyone has different opinions and different stances. Like some people are like, I won't talk about it until I know it's going somewhere. Others are like first date. I am a first date person. When I was on the apps, like I had that I was sober, I had that I didn't drink, but I, I think I'm just so open and honest about my recovery in general, like on social media it's like, it's weird if I don't say it up front and I would rather just say it up front and have people be like, that's not my cup of tea. Then like go out with someone and start hanging out with them and then have them realize like, Oh wait, what? No, I'm not into this. But like I straight up on an app one time I said like, yeah, you know, I don't drink because I'm in recovery. And I kind of opened up about my past and like nothing back, you know, like no message (gasps) back. Oh my God. Left you on red. No, (sighs) but the thing is like, I've had to just come to understand that I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. And I've been such a people pleaser my whole life. It's finally like I've arrived to this place where I'm like, this is me and I'm not going to change. So you either like it or you don't. Also, they're not the right person for you, you know, but I I mean, when I hear you talking obviously you're talking about sobriety and dating and how to navigate that but it really is just like a values thing like you really value your sobriety and you want to be with somebody who values your sobriety as well or sobriety in general and so uh, who's to say that's any different than valuing your political affiliation or your you know whatever those kind of markers are when you're looking for someone you're like oh I want this I want that that's just one of the things you value and so I think it's great that you're upfront about it and you're like hey this is a really big part of my life you're either in or you're out I'd I'd like to know now I don't want to waste my time three four days later (laughs) and also coming from the other end of it where like I see sometimes like on hinge it says like sober whatever and like that's never I've always been like amazing cool like it would be weirder if you got on the date with somebody and then they or or three dates later like I I think just being up front is so much better but obviously person it's it's a a personal personal choice (laughs) whatever people want to do well okay so aside from speaking about sobriety you actually you have a company called creating 805 and I want to hear more about it and I want you to tell our listeners more about it yeah yeah so I know you guys are in LA and we're close. I live in San Luis Obispo. It's on the central coast of California. So it's about four hours north of Los Angeles, but it's just this really unique, beautiful part of California and that it's largely still untouched. There's a lot of natural beauty. As I said earlier, Oprah lives here. (laughs) Meghan Markle lives here. And, you know, so it's just, it's this really beautiful place. And it's also unique in that, the area code, the 805 area code covers like over a hundred miles of coastline. So I, around the time I got sober, actually, you know, as I said earlier, I moved back to California from the Midwest in June of 2020. And I was freelancing full time. I was doing freelance marketing and I was really looking for a community where I can meet other younger millennial freelancers, creatives, business owners, and I could not find it anywhere. I've lived in 
larger cities where these communities were present and thriving. I'm sure LA has a ton. I was in Portland, I was in Minneapolis, and these cities had a lot of creative groups, a lot of entrepreneurial groups, but the Central Coast didn't really seem to have anything outside of the Chamber of Commerce, which was like, just like not. Yeah. Right? not <laughs> so I got involved in this little co-working space and long story short, had an opportunity to launch a speaking event, launch a speaker series. And once a month, we would bring in a local entrepreneur to tell their story and talk about their journey. And so we launched and it went really well. People loved it. So we kept hosting it once a month. And eventually we launched a membership and then we expanded down to Santa Barbara. So over the last, a little over a year now, it's just grown into this community of creative entrepreneurs. We exist. So entrepreneurs and creatives, business owners across the Central Coast from San Luis Obispo to Santa Barbara, all the way down to Ventura, even Ojai. We have members in Ojai. They can all connect and find inspiration among one another. We still have these monthly speaking events where we bring in well-known local entrepreneurs. We have the membership where we have members on the events and a private online community, a digital platform with gated content. So it's just a great way to find connection and inspiration and support one another. And it's been a really beautiful journey. I totally attribute it to my sobriety. Like I said earlier, it's hard. Getting sober was hard. Running a business is hard. And (laughs) oh my gosh, I mean, I wanted to give up so many times and throw in the towel. Everyone always says the first year is the hardest and it's the truth. And I just keep going. I keep showing up, trying to be patient, trying to follow, you know, the dreams and the visions in my head, but it's been the most rewarding experience of my life, I think. So, oh, I love that. Well, and it just it in my head, I was thinking, oh, your sobriety, I think maybe has led you here because you were talking about how important community was for you in becoming a sober person and now even and also though you gain that grit but you right, need as an entrepreneur right. <laughs> and now with this new venture it's not i it's right it's not just for sober it's just no it's like all yeah anyone, it's just yeah, a community yeah. in general and so i think that that realization of how important that is for everyone is really cool yeah well We've taken too much of your time. We are so thankful that you came on here. I feel like you did such a great job of explaining your journey, of course, but also just what a sober life looks like, the benefits of it, the challenge, I mean, the very real challenges of it, and have definitely inspired me to lead a more sober lifestyle and, and lean into this sober curiosity that I have. And we're going to link everything that you're doing in our show notes for our listeners so that they can connect with you and find you and find Creating 805. 805. And um, thank you so much. Yes, it was so great to talk to you. Thank you so much. I love what you're doing. And this was so much fun. This was so fun. fun. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Wow, I'm so glad we had her on. Are you still sober curious? I think I or am. Or are you sober in the know? Oh. No, I think I'm I think I'm sober curious. Yeah, like it's just like I'm curious or like I want to I don't want to be completely sober, but I just yeah. kind of want to like be um, Lead a more sober see life. How you feel? Yeah, yeah I'm just also like experiment. I'm allergic to alcohol, and I just have to come to terms with that. True. 
True. Like I can have just one glass of wine and my tummy hurts real <laughs> bad. Really bad. Tomadake. So we hope you guys learned more about sobriety, what is sober curious, and how to build a more sober lifestyle if you choose to do so or if you're just partaking in dry January. But now should we circle back on the Kenuphorics, the functional beverage for Modern, modern rituals, zero percent alcohol, gently caffeinated. Their kin spritz flavor, and uh, read it to our hottie of the week. Would you like to intro our hottie of the week? Yes, our hottie of the week is the founder of Kenya Forks, Miss Bella Hadid. Bella She's Hadid. sober and talks about living a sober life lifestyle. And I think it's really cool that she at least you know came up with a, a product. Yeah, for people, I love the idea. I mean, like, here's the thing. If the point of this is to be more like a like a drink, like at a bar, and you had it in like a cup and you were sipping on it, I can see how it, because it's a very strong, like tart. Like if you're drinking, you know, like a gin drink, you're kind of like, you know, has that kind of vibe to it. It's very strong. Yeah. Like it's not a, like a sweet lemonade. No, 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 no. I think I, I actually like it. I don't. That's okay. I want to. But there's something about it. It's bitter. Yeah. It is bitter. I think it's like the turmeric. Is there turmeric in it? There is ginger. (sighs) Ginger. I like ginger. Maybe it's the, oh, maybe it's the orange Orange peel. peel. It's very orange peel. That there's like a bitter. I wonder if you would like a different flavor of it. Maybe. Because there's like four flavors. I just got this one because it was energizing flow. Yeah. It's not for me. Orange bitters, it says. Ginger, orange bitters, and hibiscus. I feel like this would be really good if, and you can explore different flavors, but like it doesn't taste like a sugary, like you're drinking like an apple juice. Mm, I feel like it is a good alternative to drinking an alcoholic beverage where it has that like tart bitterness of like what you would get from like a mixing an alcohol drink. But also I just love that it has GABA, 5-HTP. It It has some caffeine in it. kind of wakes you up a little bit. And it gets you feeling good. I love the idea. I think I like it. I just don't like the flavor. Yeah, no, that's fine. But I am curious to know what Joe will think. Because it tastes to me like a man. You know, like. Yeah, I think Joe would like this. Like, you know how men are like, get me a old-fashioned. Yeah. It's just like bitter as hell. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd be interested. Well, I have, I bought a 12-pack, so he will definitely be trying these. Well, please let me know. And what was your rating? I would rate this a 7 out of 10. Okay. I'm not kidding. I'm going to rate it a 1. Okay, that's but fine. I don't want to put down her effort. No, I think I think it's a really good option for people yes. if you want to try a non-alcoholic drink. Yes. But if you're a fruity gal, not this one's not for you. Not this flavor. Not this flavor. So that's a... Four out of Bella Hadid. Bella Hadid, who's a 12. All right, this is the part of the episode where we play a little wrap-up game, and this week it's overrated, underrated. underrated. Would you like to go first? I'll let you go first. Okay. Mine is not holiday-themed, but we've just come off of the holidays. Uh Uh-huh. Where... We are eating a lot of similar foods, right? All Mm -hmm. these different holiday meals. 
my overrated mashed potatoes. Mmm. Sacrilegious. I know. But it's in comparison to my underrated, this might shock people. I think instant mashed potatoes are underrated. There is some sort of weird, buttery flavor in an instant mashed potato (laughs) that I really like. Whereas the regular mashed potato, I'm like, this is bland. You know? Like, you really have to do butter, salt, pepper, gravy, like everything in a regular mashed potato. Whereas with an instant mashed potato, I can just, like, eat this weird powdered shit. And I like it. Interesting. It's hard because I'm German and my mom only makes meat and potatoes. And so right. mashed potatoes is very, is like a, a religious staple in my house. Yes. For sure. But I will say my favorite way to eat mashed potatoes, very German of me, is to put sauerkraut on top. I don't think I've ever done that, but I love sauerkraut. I put sauerkraut on top of my mashed potatoes. Ooh, I almost want to tell my mom to make that. You Uh, should. I know. It's so good. You know what I realized, though, just now as I'm thinking about it? I had a baked potato last night, actually. And I don't like when, like, I want so many toppings. Yeah. I don't like eating just the plain potato part. Potato part. Do you do sour cream in yours? Oh, yeah. I want butter. I want cheese. I want sour cream. I I want everything on there. Wow. And you made it for yourself? Yeah. Wow. Didn't take a long time to make. You know I popped that bitch in the microwave. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just cut it open, filled it up. Fair enough. It was very yeah. good. Okay, so my my overrated underrated is also food related. Okay. And it is also pretty polarizing. Oh, I'm ready for it. It's condiments. Right. And I think that aioli is overrated. Okay. I just feel like people lose their <laughs> shit. For an aioli. Right. Like, literally go out. Like, I do think people have shirts that say, like, aioli bitch. I'm in an aioli bitch. And I'm like, bestie, newsflash, it's mayonnaise. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I love to dip fries in mayonnaise. But, like, aioli, people just, like, I don't even know why it has that much hype. You know? I think it's unproportionately rated. Okay. I, I don't disagree. And this, this is going to come as a shocker. My underrated is mustard. Oh, I am so with you. I think mustard is fantastic. Mustard is so fucking good. It really takes, you know, because this is how, this was my gateway drug to mustard. Because I, as a kid, you don't really like mustard. Kids You're don't like, you know. Catch up all the way. But I would go and I'd get them McDonald's cheeseburgers and there'd just be a little bit of mustard. And I'd be like, hmm, that's, hmm, what, what is that? What is this tang? What is that little, yeah, that little tang <laughs> happening? And so that was kind of my gateway drug where McDonald's, um, the single cheeseburgers. And then I was like, let me explore this on like a real cheeseburger. And then now I'll have mustard with anything. I prefer mustard over ketchup any day of the week. See, I see there was a reason I didn't, I can't go that far. I'm a ketchup gal. Yeah. But I will say mustard is underrated. It very much is. And my gateway, slandered. My gateway was a hot dog Mm -hmm. with mustard. But one of my favorite meals, speaking of sauerkraut, is like a German sausage with sauerkraut and mustard. Mm-hmm. That is my favorite thing. Yeah. So good. Uh, my mouth is watering as you as you speak. As we well, speak. I don't disagree with your with your choices here today. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you guys know that you can always write into the podcast if you have episode suggestions to am I doing this right pod at gmail.com. Or if you have a fun drink you want us to try, a snack you want us to try, really anything you want us to try, Let you can know. just email us or DM us at am I doing this right pod. And we hope you guys have a great start to your year. And we'll be back <gasps> next week with another episode. Bye. Bye. 